Hey, man. Hey, dude. How's it going? Aren't you excited for for the season? And No. No. <laughs> Not at all. Wasn't it great to be back at your first practice? Uh, My first practice? Like, since the season started? Or did you go over the weekend, too? Yes, I've been I've been there the last like three days, four days. Oh, t- I've lost all concept of time. <laughs> we back. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Lake Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, I just started the uh, the hour show with the same introduction I start Locked On Lakers with, um, which means you and I are both officially washed three days into the NBA season. Yeah. So everyone kind of at training camps and across the league, this is not just a Lakers thing. And from the first couple of days of Lakers camp, everyone's talking about they're in the best shape of their life mm-hmm. and that this is going to be great. And everyone is going to be great this year and have a career year and whatever. I do not feel that way. I feel washed as hell. I feel like my brain is somehow overweight um, <laughs> and got fat during the summer. Like my brain feels winded. That's a solid... I have a bigger brain than most people. Humble, humble brag. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could look at it that way. That's not really how I meant it, but yeah, that's no, like that, the, yeah, it's because I'm so smart. Yeah, exactly. That I forgot what day it was today multiple times and <laughs> thought it was going to be a holiday yesterday. <laughs> Over the weekend, uh, I went to a wedding, and Friday was my first day back writing for for Silver Screen. Um, I think I did four articles that that day because we had media day and stuff like that. Yeah. And all of my friends were asking me, like, dude, you look exhausted. I was like, I am. I am very much. Yeah, you were like, I I have the hardest job at the world. I sat at a computer. I I don't know if you know how Mm -hmm. this goes. And I wrote things Mm -hmm. about basketball. It's like it's basically like, you know, the coal miners in Chernobyl that have to stop. Like if you combine the troops and coal miners, that's like half as hard as my job. But the coal miners that had to deal with irradiated soil all yeah. over themselves and had to, like, strip nude because it was so hot. I don't right. know if you watched Chernobyl, but it's great. I did. Um, yeah, it's like basically those two jobs combined. I tried to watch Chernobyl, but the first scene that Jen tried to introduce me to the show with was the one where they were shooting all the dogs. Yeah, that's a tough episode to get through. But <laughs> it is a very good show. I, I that was that was the that was my exit point. My <laughs> grand opening, grand closing. Yeah, <laughs> for me in Chernobyl. Uh, today's show, we're gonna mess around and just kind of wander around the the top storylines that we saw from Media Day, uh, the first few practices. Uh, we are already getting the fully fledged Rajon Rondo is is really just staggering everybody with how great he looks out there. Um, Despite the the only clip I've seen of Rajon Rondo thus far has been him passing up a wide open layup to turn the ball over and and try to throw a lob to Anthony Davis. Uh, so yeah, he's shocking people with how good he's been. No, it's apparently like whenever the media or the cameras aren't in there, Rondo's been unbelievable. Because my main memory of Rondo from this camp was Avery Bradley just like locking him down during <laughs> the first scrimmage that we were allowed in to see. Rondo, like he first move tries to like he eventually had to he had to do the like, oh, man, this guy's guarding me hard. I have to turn my back to protect. the Oh, ball thing. no, he's posting and then, up. 
Yeah, like outside the three-point line. <laughs> and then like JaVale or Avery got called for some kind of violation on a screen. And so they restarted the possession. And then again, Rondo tried to dribble to his left and Avery knocked it out of bounds. And then finally, the third possession, uh, LeBron just ran up, took a dribble handoff and was like, I'm doing this now. <laughs> and so the good I don't news know, is... Again, the good like, news is the Lakers don't play any games in front of cameras or in front of like an audience or, or anything. He's he did fine. hit a three. I saw it while we were in there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in small sample size theater Lakers camp of us getting to watch like the last two minutes of scrimmages. Yeah. Um, Rondo has looked OK. They're going to start sitting Rondo for the back half of that. <laughs> for the last two minutes. As soon as the media walks in, they're just going to take him off the court. They're like, no, he was so impressive that he couldn't play. That actually it was unfair to finish the scrimmage with him on the court. Yeah, but everybody's <laughs> been praising Rondo. Danny Green was praising him yesterday, saying he's the same guy as he was in his younger days. Um, Frank Vogel has been talking up how, like, actually he's a good three-point shooter if you look at his percentages from the last couple of years. Ronda, LeBron has been talking about how he's been unbelievably helpful to him both on and off the court. Anthony Davis is talking about their chemistry. I'm... I'm just saying this like I, I this is no like sourcing like sources say LeBron Rondo is going to start based off of sources that are very public and talking to all of us in front of cameras. Yeah. I'm going to say I think that Rondo may be the starter to open the year. And I'm going to jump off a building. <laughs> <laughs> or go become a coal miner, an easier job. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go do a. It is an easier job than watching Rajon Rondo play. Like, I don't know if that's true. I would. <laughs> But no, so here's here's the thing, and it was funny because you know the, the the thing with Rondo, why I don't want him to play basketball on the team that I happen to root for, is that like all of those things that the that the that are seen as compliments, like Frank Vogel saying, "Oh yeah, no, actually he's a better shooter than people think, and therefore he spaces the floor." But that's not the case. Like we actually saw it in one of those scrimmages where I think Alex Caruso was guarding Rajon Rondo. Uh, who was just kind of like wandering around the, the three-point line area. And Caruso was able to have both feet inside that the was, key. That was the same practice. So Vogel was telling us how big of a threat Rondo has been. Yeah. And I'm not going to call him a liar. Maybe he's just like been cash money during like the non-two minutes that we – because there's been a, obviously a much larger sample size that they get to watch than we do. So yeah. maybe he actually has been really it's good. not as large as the sample size of his, like Rondo's entire career. But yeah, go for yes. it. But what I'm saying is the way that his teammates guard him, his own teammates (laughs) in practice does not suggest that they consider him this incredible threat from distance. Alex Russo was basically playing free safety in the paint um, when assigned to guard Rondo. (laughs) These are all clips that that people have been able to watch. You know, the the media walks in there. The beat reporters walk in there. They take out their cell phones. they, They grab these plays and stuff like that. And. And every time I've seen Rajon Rondo out there, it's the same old Rajon Rondo. So technically, Danny Green is right. So you, Danny Green isn't lying either, right? Um, I don't think it's it's how he means it, but you know he's not wrong. <laughs> God. Yeah, um, I, I've just kind of like it ju- it's just the way they talk about. It. I really do think that he's probably going to start the year, and like I just don't think I think if there's a role for Rondo on this team and I know you and I have had this argument a million times so I don't want to have the full argument yeah. again um but I think if there is a role on this team if you can concede that like theoretically there could be a role for him it would not be alongside LeBron James yes. in the starting lineup it would be with the backups as kind of like a you know like you never want to get out a fire extinguisher but sometimes you need one 
And like, it's going to make a mess. It's not the cleanest way to solve a problem or whatever, but it gets it done. And the Lakers need playmaking and Rondo because of like their roster, he might be kind of that fire extinguisher. Like, yes, he's going to spray a bunch of turnovers, like places where they don't belong. He's going to take defensive possessions off, but it's better than your house being on fire because Avery Bradley is your primary ball handler with the second unit or something like that. You know what I mean? To continue this analogy though, you would be using Rajon Rondo to turn off your oven. (laughs) <laughs> like you don't need to use him like you don't well, that, you, that's him with the starters <laughs> like you don't you don't need Rajon Rondo out there you're trying to find a use for this tool that you have in your house and it is fun like it is the idea of Rajon Rondo like playoff Rondo is fun the idea that he would just show up randomly and and wreck the Portland Trailblazers season uh two years ago that he almost wrecked the Boston Celtics se- season uh, the year before that, or the year two before that, uh, when he broke his, I believe it was his hand or his elbow that ended oh, that playoff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the the idea of it is fun. Firing a fire extinguisher extinguisher is a lot of fun. Like I've done it before. It's great. It's great fun. I've never gotten to do it, and oh, I kind of hope to never have to. It's it's well. I mean, I was it wasn't like for anything in my house. Like it was fun because it was just in practice, right? Okay. But but like. The idea of it is great, great fun, but the practice of it, the 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 setbacks of using a fire extinguisher to turn off your your oven, your stove, uh, not all that great. It's all that cleanup, and 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 it winds up being a net negative on on everything involved. Yeah, and so I, I just like I don't know. I just to me. Again, like I'm not saying that I'm a smarter basketball mind than Frank Vogel or whatever or that he's lying or anything like that. I just think that there are political factors at play here Mm -hmm. um, and that there are guys that want Rondo to start that have a lot of say in the Lakers organization and their future and that Rondo probably, uh, you know, we know that Rondo came back. Because, uh, you know, they brought in – well, they brought in DeMarcus Cousins, who's not going to play for the team this year. But also because Anthony Davis was there, because LeBron was there. Um, and I, I think, like, he didn't come back to not play a role. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of said all the right things about – he doesn't really care about what his role is. And I do kind of buy that. I think he knows that he's not the same player he once was. But I do think that he probably expects to play a role. He shouldn't. Um, moving on to the next kind of tidbit that is is come out of camp, um, and you you mentioned it in passing, kind of has been Avery Bradley. Um, yes, this is stuff that I'm willing to invest in a little bit. This is stuff where, like, the difference between Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo is that the platitudes that you hear from these people actually kind of sort of make sense with Bradley that he's been well, hurt, he lost a bunch of weight, and now looks better or is playing better. Yes. And like, you know, the the way that everyone has talked about him, I don't know. I think it might be a little bit overhyping oh, yeah. what it actually is. But some of that is always like, you know, you want to get a guy juiced up and like uh, like get everyone else excited about what he's going to bring and kind of like almost speak it into existence. Like, uh, you know, Phil Jackson used to coach through the media in a different way. But there are a lot of coaches that like talk up and say nice things about guys. And mm-hmm. Bradley, from what we've seen, has looked like pretty decent during these like little open runs. Rajon Rondo. Yeah. And um, yeah, exactly. Like that was, that was one of the things I'm like, we can't give him defensive player of the year for guarding Rondo. And you have to wonder like, you know, is this 
who he is guarding more so than the level of defense he is playing. But just the fact that he can even do that, and there's more reason to believe in it, just in the sense of the reasons that you mentioned, and he's only 28 years old. Yeah. So you would think that theoretically, like, this guy, like, at 28, is not just gone. And he's talked a lot about how part of the reason that he came here was because he wanted to learn from kind of LeBron and Anthony Davis and these guys that are, like, stars in the league and are able to keep themselves going. Like, how do you train your body as best as it can be Um, and like keep yourself healthy and playing at a high level throughout the season. And at 28, like theoretically there's still room for him to learn that and kind of still be towards his peak as a player rather than like, even if he's declining from what he was, let's say maybe his peak was a little earlier just because of the injuries, but you wouldn't think he'd be at rock bottom by 28 with the type of player that he was with the types of injuries that he had that seemed very recoverable, but he just was not recovered from over the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and look, even if he is completely washed, even if that is the case here, right? There are contingencies in place, and I think there isn't the political capital invested in this guy has to play a role in the way that there is with Rajon Rondo. And and so I I think you kind of have, comparatively speaking, the best of both worlds here compared to Rondo, where uh, Bradley, I think there's there's an explanation as to how or why he might have a bounce back year. There is no such exa- uh, explanation that exists with Rondo. No, it's that he shoot, he's shot 36% and now he'll be open. Yeah, That's, uh... right, right. When, and, and, you know, he'll actually catch and shoot rather than catch, dribble like five times, step back Pause, and then shoot. Look for any opportunity to have any possible assists and mm-hmm. then reluctantly wind up the catapult. Uh, is there anything else that has really stuck out to you? Like just, just big overriding themes across the board here. I, one thing that's really stuck out to me and it's more important by far than the, uh, than the, the, the relatively smaller pieces that we've talked about in Rajon Rondo and, and Avery Bradley has been how kind of lock in, in lockstep, uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James have been like, they are like, it, I feel like every time they talk about each other, especially that song, just me and my best friend is, is playing <laughs> just like playing in the background. Um, have you I don't noticed? Know if that? I felt like that. I don't know if I felt like that, but I have noticed it. It almost feels like they've like sat down and like yeah. coordinated their own like media right. plan or uh-huh. whatever, like just together. Um, and so yeah, th- there has been a lot of synergy between those two guys for sure, and that's something that is good for the Lakers because ideally you want your two stars to like each other. There was a lot of reason to believe that these two stars would like each other. But it's good to know that, like, once they were actually put together and on the same team, they weren't like, actually, I kind of hate this guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, like, you know, sometimes you get into a relationship where, like, you think the person's great and then they move in and you're like, oh, God, this is horrible. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I watched that happen to Jen over 15 years. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say I was actually trying to entrap you a little bit there because you've only been in the one relationship. So if you said yes, I was gonna send the clip to her and be like, <laughs> there's only one way that Anthony could know what this was. No, I've actually watched her like just kind of the realization just slowly and surely just cross her face to to the point where now she's really screwed because we have a kid together. Yeah. So sorry, Jen. You you wouldn't happen to know what I'm talking about though, what you're talking about though. Like where where are you getting that example from? Uh not from my current relationship. <laughs> um we, I can't wait to go on your guys' pod. I'm gonna stir up so much shit. Uh, 
What's the divorce? I need to isolate that that sound. Like, what's it like working with Fred? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably fairly accurate. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like any other themes. And oh, the one thing that has really stood out to me, and we haven't talked a lot about it, and it hasn't been something that I've even wanted to ask about yet because we're on day three and we've been seeing two minute stretches of these. And even for not all, like LeBron and Anthony Davis haven't even been playing together in all of them. They played together the first two days. The second day, we didn't get to see them because they were apparently they're dominating so thoroughly yeah. that they just sat As them down. You weren't learning anything from it. Yeah, because the Lakers reserves, you would not look at them and be like, oh, yeah, they could stop LeBron and Anthony Davis. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, But I get why they're doing that, and I think it's the right approach to keep those two together and just keep trying new lineups around them and try and figure out – because that's mm-hmm. going to be the most important thing is figuring out who fits best around those two guys. So I actually think Vogel's absolutely taking the right approach there. But to this has been a long-winded way of getting to my point is that the offense has not really looked great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how much of that is this new improved defense that everybody's talking up and how much of it is like the Lakers just don't have a lot of on the ball dynamism outside of LeBron. Yeah. And so it's easier to kind of come together and play defense than it is to come together with guys you've never played with and play cohesive offense. And so I think that's part of it because they're only three days in and like they're trying to learn new sets from Vogel and whatever. And like the, uh, the defense obviously knows what's coming. So of course they're going to be able to gum up the works and it's going to be sloppy. And so I don't want to say like the Lakers are doomed on offense or anything like that. It just hasn't looked great yet. And so that's been something that, again, very small sample sizes, but it is something that's worth keeping an eye on as we move forward and as we head into the preseason is like, how is this offense looking as well as just the defense? Is it possible to feel good about the offense and defense through training camp? Like, I mean, not in this short of segments. No, probably not. <laughs> well, just like in general, right? Because like, if you feel great about your offense, that means your defense is. Well, they have really, long really well. practices. They've been two days. There could they could you know their offense could go on runs and their defense could go on runs and whatever you know what I mean? Like <laughs> maybe they feel good about both. I was and just they saying, do. like mathematically, because, I'm not even sure that's a thing that no, can that's happen. A fair point. So like you know, I, I've obviously seen a lot more of the you know tenacious defense of Avery Bradley <laughs> and White Howard and Javale McGee and uh, LeBron was really has seemed to go out of his way to talk up Dwight and JaVale. Yeah, I was going to I was going to mention Dwight has been saying a lot of the right things. Yeah, Dwight Dwight's an interesting. I I felt like Dwight used his media availability yesterday to kind of just say nothing for like 6 minutes. Um <laughs> but he like mostly has said the right platitude. I just like, you know, it's Dwight, so I don't know if we'd believe it yet. But No, I yeah. mean, it, it's just it, look, he's in that show me stage. Right. Especially with this fan base in particular, he's in that show me phase where we heard a lot of the right things from Dwight while he was out here. That was the frustrating thing was that we would hear, no, I don't care as much about post touches, even while you see the reports that he was walking around showing off pages of. The number of post touches he was getting. Those were reports. Were he did that with reporters in the locker room. Right. That was like multiple corroborations <laughs> right. in front of cameras. He did this. Right. But that's, that's what like, I mean. He did though. that in the social media era when everybody had cameras on their phones. I think that <laughs> I think the year he did it was one of the last years you could have done it. And we don't have ubiquitous YouTube yeah. recordings of like Dwight Howard pointing to his stats on the stat <laughs> sheet to everyone. Yeah. Kobe's talking and Dwight's behind him like. <sighs> 
Yeah. Like, just like <laughs> whispering nonsense into the into the ether. But yeah, I, I look two years ago. Just to yeah. like talk about like doing the right things and stuff. When we have been watching, like Dwight does seem to be focused on really attacking the glass, picking and rolling. Like again really short sample sizes. I don't want to be a hypocrite and like overanalyze all of them, but we can only go off of what we've seen so far. And what we've seen is that he is actually backing that up so far. That's good to hear. Uh, Let's take a quick second because when we come back, we got to talk about LeBron having Gavin Newsom on his show to sign the bill. I thought that was a really cool use of platform. Um, We'll talk about that and, you know, whatever else. And then I'm I'm in charge of the uh, chapter this week for Byron's Book Club. The book is getting better. You and I noticed that while we were while we were putting this together for today's show is that the book is getting significantly better. Uh, So so look forward to that. Hang tight. We'll be back here in a second. While we record this. As it just, it literally just no, started. please don't do this. Are you ready? Oh, what happened? Woj is reporting that no, the no, Houston no, Rockets kicked off their preseason. Actual basketball is going on right now. Oh, you <laughs> are. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't believe you sometimes. That was so unprofessional. <laughs> it's never going to get any better than right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, it really is too bad we don't record video for this. I, I, um, think, I, I think I'm I can I'm able to, to capture that. I might be able to put that on, put that on Twitter. You may want to isolate that clip. I don't know. That's <laughs> up to you. Um, oh, my God. I don't even – oh, so anyway, so Gavin yeah. Newsom. Gavin I'm Newsom. just going to move on because I don't want to even <laughs> indulge you anymore with that. Uh, it, LeBron and I now have something in common. We have both interviewed Gavin Newsom. So, How about that? When did you yeah. interview him? Oh, when I was at the Daily Titan. Uh, he was in Orange County campaigning and uh, for, like, stricter gun laws, like, trying to get, like, Orange County to vote blue a little bit more. It was when he was still – Whatever the vice governor is, I forget what like the yeah. technical term for it is, but lieutenant governor, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when he was still in that role, and he came down to OC, and uh, we were we were covering it. So, well, so he goes very on, nice, very charismatic guy, as you would expect. Yeah, as you would expect. So he goes on uh, the shop, which is HBO's the shop, which is LeBron James's show, um, and signs. I think signs into effect, right? He signed the bill. Yeah. SB 206, uh, which basically allows college athletes to make money off of their personal likeness, uh, jersey sales, all of those things. And as you would expect, the NCAA and the Pac-12, for some reason, are pissed about it. Yeah, I like uh, on the part of it, like as far as him having him on the shop, that is such an incredible flex from LeBron to like get him to actually not just come on the shop to talk about it, to sign it while yeah. he is like, I don't know if that was fake. Like maybe he had already signed it or whatever. Like, I don't know, TV magic, but I, I would imagine that that's not a hard thing for them to just do because whenever he signs it, it goes into law and he was probably going to do that soon anyway. Mm-hmm. It's uh, LeBron also, one thing that I am learning early on in training camp, I have to get a little bit better at not laughing when, during the scrums uh, <laughs> when I find something funny yeah. because LeBron w- today was talking about, he was asked like, 
how did that even like come about? How did he get Newsom on the show? And he just goes, we have a pretty good platform these days. So that's how it came about. <laughs> and it was just like the most in your face, like, 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 yeah, you know, like our show's pretty big. So that's why <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, but I'm kind of a big deal. Like, I just want to know, like the person who asked that question, how do they feel about their personal platform at this point? Well, I think they were asking like in terms of like like logistically, like who reached out to who or whatever. Like I don't think it was like a oh man, you got Gavin Newsom? How is that even possible? Like it wasn't right. like that. I think it was like did you reach out to him? Did he reach out to you? How did that kind of happen like process-wise? But yeah, just the way that he responded was kind of funny. That's pretty great. Uh LeBron was asked why he's taken such a personal and and active role in helping SB 206 come about. And uh, I thought he gave a, a couple really good quotes about it. Yes. So he was asked about it in general. He said, I think it's a great day. It's a win, obviously, here in California. I'm just honored to be a part of it with the governor and for him to understand what these athletes have been going for, uh, going through for so many years. So it's the start of something that we believe is special. He was then asked, you know, about him personally. Why, why, are, why have you taken such an active role and he said basically i, I can am actually that kid. i i can insert the clip if you want if uh yeah. like we can hear it in lebron's voice I, uh nah all right i guess this i'm the reason he created uninterrupted yeah exactly what i like, just did rather right you'd rather yeah chop and screw his words than let him <laughs> use his voice i can't believe you're sil trying to silence lebron on a lakers podcast but um i am not but, you know, I just generally think we don't need to go through the entire thing. But he was using examples of and especially coming from where he came from. Right. The uh, stories and, and the realities of what he and his mom went through while he was in high school, while he was being raised and then eventually through to when he was finally able to get to the NBA. Like he went through some extreme poverty. And that's kind of where he is looking at this situation here with these kids. And, and I think that's what a lot of people kind of lose sight of when they go the whole route of explaining why college athletes don't have to be paid. Well, it's because they're being paid in education, but education doesn't help pay the bills with those families. Who and are, it's not equal going, value to what's right. being created. There's and knowing it's equal value for their yeah. services, like when they're, you know, if yeah. you aren't, if you aren't selling yourself directly, like if you're being sold, like there's a proxy that's creating this league or whatever it may be, like, or if you're working for a company, like you don't get directly the revenue that you bring in, you right. get a percentage of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how, why companies exist and why they steal all our money. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> You know, like, so I, you could, I could, you can almost hear him like kind of like, this is something that did, I think, strike close to home for him. And it I think that's why have. he's been so involved in it. I think he could think back to when that would have been him and like how much money those institutions would have made off of his name that he wouldn't have seen a penny of at a time that he yeah. really needed it. Like now, obviously he wouldn't need it, but back then he did. And, you know, he went to the NBA, so he was more fortunate than most. And obviously and everything's he, worked and he out. he okay acknowledged that. Like he yeah. said that I'm I'm fortunate in that I was able to go straight to the NBA. Had the one and done rule that is in effect right now been in effect back then, he would have had to wait an entire year to see any of the money legally that that could have helped support his mom. And and I, I look I and honestly, what you can really do here is use this to explain and or understand 
why he's so adamant about, you know, I, I, I roll my eyes when he calls it player empowerment or athlete empowerment. It's more superstar empowerment. But it's, you can see where, where the, the, the seeds of, of that movement and that priority of his were planted. And it was, it's, it's in witnessing what could have been this huge, it's borderline immoral, especially in college football, where you have guys who are putting their actual bodies on the line, right? No, it, it kind of is. And so, like, there are a lot of arguments about this and a lot of points to be made and whatever. And, like, there is the argument that this really only benefits, like, the top 1%. And that's fair. Yeah. Um, it has and to start somewhere. The argument, like, like people make the argument when when people talk about paying college athletes that, like, well, the institutions couldn't afford it. I don't know if I buy that. But, like, I do somewhat buy the argument that if they didn't have the money that they were getting from the big moneymaker programs that they wouldn't fund the smaller ones. Mm -hmm. So I, I understand. I don't necessarily agree with that argument from a moral perspective, but I kind of understand it. This isn't even that. This is them passing yeah. a bill that allows these guys to go outside of college athlete, like still the NCAA to kind of maintain its model mm -hmm. as long as they don't try to declare these guys ineligible, which SB 206 would make like they couldn't penalize these athletes mm -hmm. for going and cashing in on endorsements and basically becoming, you know, like influencers uh, using their platform, which they can't do right now. And all it's doing is saying like all this bill is saying is if these people can go and say if they can get, you know, thousand bucks for like going and doing an autograph signing at a mall or something mm -hmm. like that or a couple hundred bucks or whatever they can go do that or they can go do whatever like nike can endorse them if they want to if they're big time enough like any type of endorsement but even there i think it gets complicated if the school is not a nike school or whatever but yeah yeah, maybe. But like it, it basically it doesn't allow the NCAA to penalize these student athletes for going and cashing in on their name. Like that's their name yeah. and their talent that they're trying to sell. And in no other like workforce in America are people not allowed to just go like and if someone will pay you for a service like beyond a, a, some type of a legal service like uh whatever um beyond any of the like anything that's illegal like you can go into like I, I didn't necessarily need a college degree i didn't get a college degree before i got the job that i have right now i ended up finishing my college degree anyway but I, because i had through merit shown that i was capable of doing this job i was able to get it and like with the ncaa they're saying like no no one can pay you for anything right I, it's not a direct comparison but they're saying like no one can pay Pretty you close. for anything you have to let us kind of make that money and no, 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 but don't worry. We're going to give you like a dorm room with three other people and like limited meals that conform to like a certain standard and, you know, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. And oh, also you get to go to classes and when you're really tired from basically being a professional athlete. Yeah, I, I just it, look, I, it's hard for me to, to do the whole both sides argument thing because I feel pretty strongly in favor of players being paid. I, yeah, I don't really think that it's a both sides thing. I was just saying that, like, yeah. even if you want to argue that this is going to bankrupt the institutions, which I don't believe, or it's going to cause them I think sports, which I don't totally believe. They're but raising right now $14 billion a year, I, I believe. Yeah, you know where it's going to come from? It's going to come from these executive salaries. Oh, man. And that's that what they're be terrible. <laughs> They're trying to defend the integrity of student athletes. They're trying to defend the integrity of their paycheck. <laughs> as long as, as long as the money that is cashing into my into my bank account is still real, then then they can make money off of their likenesses. Yeah. Um, no, I, I and look, here's the the thing that I wanted to to, to put uh, shine a light on here. In addition to the stuff that we were just talking about, is 
LeBron, for all of the criticism that he gets for whatever, he's a lightning rod, so he, he gets a ton of criticism. It is really, really cool to see somebody come into their own voice, come into their own platform, and utilize that platform in ways that make the lives of the athletes who are now going to benefit from this uh, from from this legislation. He has now legitimately helped make those athletes' lives better. And look, we can I we could talk about Michael Jordan's uh, you know. Republicans buy shoes too. quote that is now infamous. Uh, we can talk about any number of athletes who didn't use their platform for this or, or, or for something that they felt this strongly about. Let's come up with a list. Let's just shame them all. I mean, <laughs> sure, that would go real. That would go over yeah. really well. Um, but but like, guess what? Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> I don't know. Muggsy Bogues could have done lots of charitable works. I don't I just was trying to think of a random name. Yeah, that would Apologies be to Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> we need to think of like, all right, Spencer Hawes. Um, well, no, Spencer Hawes definitely uses his voice to make a change for causes he believes it in. Yeah, good point. You can criticize him for a lot of things. That's not one of them, <laughs> especially those causes. But um, but yeah, I just, I, I just think it's really cool to see LeBron, you know, utilize this platform, the, the, the power that he has. Like it's one thing to go out of your way to try to empower yourself and try to empower your your fellow athlete, but if you do get that power, you do get that responsibility, and you don't use it, then it's a waste of that responsibility, right? It's a waste of all of those efforts, and it's been really cool to watch him go to a place where you could get an actual state governor, maybe the most powerful state in the nation's governor, on your show to sign an actual bill. Like, that's an incredible flex. That's an incredibly cool thing to watch take place over the years that LeBron has fought to earn that kind of uh, pool. And and watching him, you know, it. the thing that I really liked f- from his quotes today, and Newsom said some of the stuff along the same lines, was this is just step one, right? They, there's still a long ways to go. This is, you know, by definition, one of the 50 states that has something like this in order. And, and, I mean, the NCAA is going to challenge it. So, it you know, just because they signed it into law doesn't necessarily mean that, like, they, they like because I think their next step is they're probably going to sue the state of California and then yep. it'll be in the courts. And, you know, this isn't set to go into effect until 2023. So it's kind of too late to help some even more athletes or whatever now. Yeah. But I kind of understand why they did that, because it would have put the NCAA and like schools here in complete disarray about what was going on and whatever. So like, at least this will give time for the courts to sort it out, decide whether or not this is constitutional. And then for the NCAA to kind of make its choice. And it's going to be fascinating to see if like, if basically just California schools just get kicked out of the NCAA, because I think that's probably what's going to happen. It's not. And so then what happens to their athletics? I don't know. Uh, It's going to be, like really interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. I'm pulling for him. I really am. Uh, let's end on a Byron chapter. Cool. Yes. So, what did you learn from Chapter Eleven? I forget the title of it. But, chapter um, Eleven is building from the bottom up. Okay. Which is basically him explaining how he went from being a professional athlete to then an assistant coach and then a head coach and and so on and so forth. Okay. Um, my favorite tidbit from this was one that you actually found earlier, but it was one where his first head coach, uh, his first practice as head coach, he damn near killed his entire team um, for, you know, with conditioning drills. Uh, I'll read. 
Um, I wanted to come in and establish myself as a taskmaster because that was the total opposite of what they had there before. I went a little overboard on a couple of occasions. I came in with the right attitude, but the approach was too strong. What worked on me as a player didn't necessarily work on everyone. I don't think I lost respect from the guys. I just think they looked at me as if I was crazy. Sounds like I mean, a ton of respect is still shared there, Byron. I mean, like, let's be honest. You and the staff probably think I'm a little crazy, right? No. But you still respect me. No, like, crazy. No to both? No, I mean, I we still have we have to respect you. I have to like. I oh have wow! To say okay, I yes, have you right to. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that felt very real. Thank I, you, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I don't respect you on a show that you handed over to. It's me. too late. You're fired already. Okay, cool. That's fine. Um, but, but it's funny to hear him like the way that he goes about, and this was something that was true of his entire coaching tenure was the way he explains away dumb things that he does with this insane vision of not just himself, but the way he thinks other people think of him or feel about him is nuts. It's incredible. Um, he also talked about why he wanted to coach the Nets first, and he talked about you know they had a bunch of flexibility. They didn't have any bad, that, in, any bad contracts that they were saddled with. Um, and he was he was listing the team, and he goes – uh, we had these guys, Stephon Marbury, Keith Van Horn, Stephen Jackson, Sherman Douglas, and a rookie by the name of Kenyon Martin. And I want to know if – he doesn't really go into detail about it, but I want to know if he had that same policy of rookies have to talk to me, have to earn the earn the power or the, the, the opportunity to talk to me. I want to know when Would that we know, policy But what came we know along. of the qualities of what Byron values, like – Kenyon Martin would have earned his respect pretty quickly. Like That's Kenyon true. Martin probably tried to fist fight him on the first day, and Byron's like, "Ah, <laughs> best rookie, a ever. disciple ready to learn, <laughs> best rookie of the year." Yeah, um, I. That's just a, it's fascinating though to watch him go through that because it's it's a theme like throughout this entire chapter, throughout this entire book is here's this thing that okay maybe I fell a little short with of of, of expectations and blah 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 blah, but. Here's why it was actually a huge success, which, you know, in objectively speaking, I think he made it to two straight finals with that Nets team. Yeah, he won a coach. No, I think coach of the year was in New Orleans. I'm not sure he won it with the Nets, but he did go to two finals with that team. So, you know, to to a certain extent, he did have success elsewhere. It's just that. And, and it was funny because yeah, I don't think that Byron was always a bad coach. No. I think that Byron just did not adjust to the way the league changed. Yeah, well, that's that's really what strikes me throughout this chapter is that. And it was funny because he he acknowledges it first by saying what worked on me as a player didn't work for those guys, right? Which means you know his version of saying that is these guys are soft compared to you know the hard nosed practices that I enjoyed back in in the eighties, but. You know, if you if you acknowledge that the trend was started, that a lighter hand might have been necessary with, you know, younger people and that maybe that trend might continue, that he he went the opposite direction. He thought that if he was a bigger asshole over the course of his coaching career, that somehow that would work as the trend was already started of players and, and athletes wanting their coaches to lighten up on them. It was it's wild. Yeah, he's he's almost like a real life version of the principal Skinner meme from The Simpsons. Yeah. Where he's like, Am I out of touch? No. It is the children who are wrong. Right. And 
Like that was kind of that's kind of the Byron strategies for success is if anyone younger than you try like that's what I've gathered from this whole book. But it sounds like this chapter especially yeah. is if anyone younger than you thinks they know what they're talking about, they're wrong because you're older. Yep. That's and you should fight them. I, I would have liked to. I wonder how he feels about Russell now, because Kerr said that he like tried to reach out to Russell. They weren't able to get on the same page in terms of meeting in the offseason. So I wonder if like Byron saw that as immaturity on Russell's part. I don't know. I think I think I remember watching some ESPN appearance where he kind of talked about Russell had obviously learned the lessons that he was trying to teach him. So, <laughs> yeah, good stuff, Byron. That was good, though, that the, the, the book is getting better because he's yes. talking more about the stuff he's bad at without recognizing why he was bad at it. Yeah, he's just like writing. Here's this thing that went horribly wrong. Here's why it was a success. <laughs> and it's like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> wait a tick. Hold yeah. on. Um, That was good. This is fun, though. I, I, I enjoyed, like, talking about developing stories regarding the Lakers. It's... Yes, we have, like, fresh things to talk about. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Ooh, speaking of fresh. Woj. I don't believe you this time. <laughs> You're not tricking me twice on the same podcast. This is a nice try. <laughs> have a great rest of, you, of your day, everybody. Uh, continue to tune in across our entire feed. All of our hosts are really excited to be getting back at, you know, hosting a daily show where we all have new and different things to talk about. Um, so check out the rest of our shows across the network. Leave reviews if you guys have something to say or you want to roast us or you uh, you have questions or comments or whatever. Oh, wait. Should I, should I check that really quick? Yeah, you may as well. But, you know, if you guys have – especially roasting. Roasting is fun. Let's make it yeah. – like – questions like especially to the show. if it's about anthony like because <laughs> my self-esteem is low already so well right now you're questioning whether or not we respect you so yeah well exactly that's and yeah. we totally do we absolutely i don't believe do. see that when you say it like that <laughs> have you found anything yet uh so i think we have uh, hold on uh oh we do have two new things All right. um and so I think this is either a hilarious misunderstanding or this is a roast uh -huh. uh, because they say loving the Darius as a guest. Where's Pete? Uh, and this is from <laughs> Kato JT underscore SD. Happy to hear Darius as a guest and should happen more often. Still not heard an episode with Pete on. Did I miss something? <laughs> oh, no, actually, Darius did come on as a guest. OK, that would have been really funny if they were listening oh, to the show. and just thought I was Darius. Yeah. Yeah. Darius did come on last week. There but you go. Thank you. Uh, yes, that was really good, and all of you should go listen to it. Um, this one says, tired of Anthony's fake outrage. Fake outrage? How do they know it's fake? Uh, I don't know. Well, do you want me to read it? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, Anthony, what's bothering you more? DeMarcus Cousins' potential legal issues or the fact that he can't contribute this season and the Lakers decide to keep him? Your moral values seem flexible when you were discussing Kobe with Pete on your other podcast. I was rooting for you and Harrison to succeed in your endeavors, but you make it so difficult, Anthony. Wait, hold on a second. Why? <laughs> Why does Anthony – like, you don't like Anthony, so all of a sudden you're rooting for me to fail? <laughs> I mean, if you're rooting for me to fail because, like, you disagree with our takes on last week, then whatever. I don't care. But if you're just rooting for me to fail in general because you don't like Anthony, then I don't really. Can I address that really quick? Yeah, like, I think I, that's why I read it. I wanted to give you a chance to address it. Look, it's not that my moral system is any different 
you know, with one domestic abuser, you know, one person facing rape allegations to a net to the next person. It's that the players who were the, the, the people who are harder to replace offer an explanation to the teams that continue to employ them. And and it makes it all the more frustrating while already frustrating, but it makes it all the more frustrating to see the Lakers employ completely replaceable people with those kinds of allegations in their past. It's one thing to say we are going to continue, we're going to stick by Kobe during his rape trial back in the day because if the Lakers dropped It was also him, a very different time. That. But it's one, like, had the Lakers cut him or had they put him on the trade market, some team would have would have stuck by him, and therefore he was less replaceable than the Lance Stevensons, than the DeMarcus Cousins, than the Frank, not the the Jason Kids, right? Those guys are replaceable, and and the idea that the Lakers are utilizing this explanation with people who are completely replaceable in in DeMarcus Cousins' case. I am going to produce as much for the Lakers this year as DeMarcus Cousins. Harrison, how's it feel to know that you are going to be as useful to the Lakers this year as DeMarcus Cousins will be on the court? It's kind of fun, right? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to be lumped in there. <laughs> but like, but that, that's what... So it's not that it's not that I am okay with those allegations or those histories of 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 you know in, in Jason Kidd's case actual criminal activity right not just allegations but actual convictions things that he has been convicted of yeah yes. like it's not that I'm more okay with that if Kidd was useful to the organization in any way shape or form it's that that explanation of if the Lakers don't employ Jason Kidd, somebody else will. You I have just, it a, you rings have a clear re- you, you understand. You don't agree with it, but you understand like how okay, it works. They are they are doing that, but that's just like how this goes, and that's what they're going to do. Yeah. And now, do I think that's how it should go? No. Like, I don't think Tyreek Hill should be employed by an NFL team. I don't think Kareem Hunt should be employed by an NFL team. Uh, you you go down the line here and. You know, it's just they are like that's the way the world works. I disagree with it, but that's the way that world works. And and you know, in this case though, like Jason Kidd doesn't have to be employed. He doesn't have to let alone be employed, but the highest paid assistant coach in the NBA because the Lakers thought he was so vital to their success. And I just, the others it, you it, can see the why if you don't agree, even if you don't agree with it. Yeah. But if with these ones you can't even see the why. Right there you go. Yeah. All right. Ended that one on a light note. Yeah, lighthearted <laughs> ending to the show, as always. Keep tuning in across the entire week. We'll talk to you guys next week.